To have passion in life is everything. What's your Everest? Oh, is it yeah. that 200 inch box? They just look so impressive when they're wide. Especially running away. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Eastman's Elevated. It's like a think tank for outdoor activity. Sounds exactly like my hunting. Just always thinking about it, always trying to evolve it and make it better. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Yo, what's happening, guys? Got a brand new Eastman's Elevated for you. So on today's podcast, I have back on my buddy, Brandon Purcell. Uh, so Brandon and I have been friends the last handful of years, and we've shared a couple adventures together, but I definitely want to do more with this guy. Uh, he has a, a great attitude, highly successful, and uh, just fun to be around. And so we start off the conversation. Uh, he's building his personal house right now, which I got just got done with mine. And so we bonded on a bit of dark humor of building our own houses about uh, losing our cool or our temper and um, just some of the, the trials and tribulations we've been through doing the house. So it was a good conversation. I thought I'd leave it in there. But then we get into to all hunting content. And we talk about uh, bear hunting out west and um, uh, kind of some of our tactics that we use for finding bears. Uh, we talk about deer and elk hunting and, and talk about early season, during the bow season, during the rut, and also late season, and and some of the options there, uh, and, and some of the fun we've had and lessons we've learned uh, chasing big bulls in the deep snow. Uh, talk about muleys, and uh, just made for a great conversation. Like I say, Brandon is so knowledgeable, such a good hunter himself, and um, in iron mind, he really knows how to grind and how to push. And I think there's a lot that can be learned from that. So I really enjoyed today's conversation. I think you guys will too. Uh, also, Brandon has some bookings for uh, spring bear. And I believe he's got some bookings for deer and elk bow and rifle. So I wanted to get out this podcast before the Montana deadline to apply for these tags comes up. Uh, so if you're interested in going hunting with Brandon, couldn't hunt with a better, more knowledgeable guy, make sure to give him a shout on his social media. His social media, it's Brandon Purcell, but I think he's Durango Boone, so you can check him out and message him there. Uh, so made for an awesome conversation. We'll get right into it. I just want to thank a couple of my sponsors. I want to thank Stone Glacier. So uh, Brandon also uses Stone Glacier um, uh, exclusively. And, and Stone Glacier has these great sleep systems. So they have a bivy tent that I've been using, which I love. It weighs a pound and a half, and it's a modular system. Uh, what that means is, is it's a single wall design like a bivy tent, but you can put a bathtub floor in it. Uh, so no bugs or creepy crawlies can get in there, no mice or anything like that. So I do love the bathtub floor. They also have a vestibule that will cover your backpack and gear and keep that dry. Uh, so this bivy tent is like the perfect fit for me for a lot of my hunts, but they also have a four-season tent. They just came out with a one-man four-season. I have their two-man four-season. Uh, it's just a bomb-proof tent. Like, you can survive a hurricane in that thing. Uh, so that's what I'll use when I'm up against real gnarly conditions or get into that later season. Uh, just makes for a great shelter. Uh, I remember when I went to New Zealand, that's the tent that Remy ran, and we had some gnarly weather. And uh, he stayed nice and dry and comfortable in that thing. So you can check those out. Check out their sleeping bags. They have a 0, 15, and a 30-degree blanket. Uh, their temperature ratings will go right down to that temperature. So their 15-degree bag is good to 15 degrees, tested by yours truly. Uh, but just uh, great quality bags, really impressed. And I 
I like all those guys in there at Stone Glacier. Like, they are one of us. They're the guys that are hunting public ground, that are working their tails off, shooting their bows, shooting their rifles, getting their workouts in, improving their hunting skill set to be consistently successful. Uh, that's why I have so much respect for those guys in the company. So if you guys are in the market, make sure to check them out over at Stone Glacier. I also want to thank Outdoor Edge Knives. They're a replaceable blade knife, and they're just made with a little bit more strength and durability in their blades. So they keep an edge really well, and then you can, of course, replace the blade anytime it gets dull. So, uh, you know, no longer do I have to pack multiple knives or sharpeners to be able to process a deer or elk in the field. I can just bring this one replaceable blade outdoor edge knife with a couple different blades, and I'm good to go. And usually I can get through a deer or an antelope with one blade. An elk sometimes will take two or three as their hide is so tough and so thick. Uh, just make a great product. If you're in the market for a replaceable blade knife, make sure to go check out Outdoor Edge. I also want to thank Black Ovis. Black Ovis is an outdoor retail store that sells absolutely everything you need for your next hunt. So they carry all the top name brands as well as their own brand, and you can find some good deals on there. Uh, we have a promo going right now through Eastman's that if you put in Elevated 10 at checkout, you'll save 10% off your order. Uh, so you can save that 10%. They also give away points. One point equals $1. And they have a bunch of different programs there, but basically all the top gear, uh, really knowledgeable staff. If you have any questions you need to ask or touch bases with them, and they'll get you all set up. I also want to thank Camo Fire. Camo Fire is an app. Uh, there's a bunch of new hunting deals, 80 new hunting deals that come up every 24 hours. You can save a pile of money on there. If you watch that app for overstock items or extra items they have in or, uh, uh discontinued items or just quality items. Uh, so you can save a pile of money, check them out. Uh, you can get the app at camo fire and then watch those new deals come up and save some money. All right, that's um, it for the advertisements. want to thank Eastman's for their support. Make sure to check out everything we do. We have Eastman's Tag Hub, which is an internet research site. Uh, you can research these tags and available options for the West, and um, we're right in the heart of tag season right now, so I'm using Tag Hub quite a bit. Uh, we also have our Mule Deer course. You can check that out. Uh, basically everything I've learned in the last 25 years of traveling and hunting mule deer. Uh, it's all in one course. It's in a video format, over 100 videos with me and Dan Bacar and Guy Eastman. Uh, it's in an organized chapter layout that'll walk you through there, and I guarantee you will cut your learning curve by years by going through this couple-week course or however long it takes you to get through the videos. Uh, so you can check that out. I think it's a great bang for your buck. Uh, also, we have a special going right now with Tag Hub, uh, where we have uh, we're giving away a Mountain Tough uh, uh, subscription for a year when you sign up for Tag Hub. So you get that free of charge. It's a hundred dollar value, and you can do some of those Mountain Tough workouts that I've been doing lately. So that's a promo deal that goes with Eastman's Tag Hub. Uh, also, check out the magazines, Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal, Eastman's Hunting Journal. Uh, check out our episodes on Beyond the Grid, which is our internet TV show. It's on YouTube, and um, you can also find us on the Outdoor Channel as well. So, uh, we'll get into this podcast, man. I just, um, I've been living my best life here, getting in my runs and workouts and um, uh 
eating right, spending time with my family, shooting my bow. Finally got that phase four all set up. I I actually shot it uh, an indoor um, Vegas round. I've been trying to shoot a 300 round for about the last 10 years with my bow hunting setup. My first round with that phase four, I shot a 321X. Uh, so that's a, a big step for me or um, big accomplishment. It feels pretty good to shoot a perfect round like that, but that bow is absolutely shooting. Uh, so, so pumped with that thing. Um, can't wait to get it out in the field, but uh, that's what I've been up to. Uh, let's get into this podcast. It's a great one. Uh, you'll hear some uh, laughs and dark humor at the beginning, the first 10 or 15 minutes or so, and then we get into some hunting content. So uh, enjoy. Thanks for the support, guys. Here we go. You know? Oh, not much, man. Just enjoying another nice morning. Yeah, there you go. Um, how's that house coming? Oh, it's coming, man. Slow but sure. There we go. Um, yeah. well, you've got the right uh, mental fortitude to make it through something like that. Man, it takes a lot <laughs> out of you, like when you're, especially when you're trying to do the majority of the work yourself. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I've, I mean, I've done everything minus the concrete basically by myself and my dad was up here for like two weeks helping me, you know, but other than that, it's just been, you know, a grind. <laughs> Dude, um, well, I feel your pain and know exactly what you went through. It's for uh, like a better purpose and, um, you know, it, in the end, it's like such a great move for you and your family and it doesn't take too long and you kind of forget the pain or the grind of it, but uh, yeah, it's the ultimate of grinding, isn't it? Oh, for sure. It's like, you know, you think that like late season elk hunting is a grind and then you do winter uh, house building and then you're really just like, dude, that wasn't anything. <laughs> you know, this is like, you're having to like shovel out every day and all that. It's just like, dude, this is just, this is a whole nother level. <laughs> <laughs> dude that's so funny um you're so yeah. true yeah i got done with that moose hunt and was talking about how difficult that thing was and then i got in the final push of this house and i was like man that's nothing i do 10 of those moose hunts you know before building the yeah. house <laughs> no. like it really puts things into perspective for sure and like i you know i've built off and on for like the last i don't know 15 years or whatever but i haven't done it in a while and it was just like, dude, the grind, the mental grind of getting back into it and like getting my body back into it was rough. <laughs> just rough. You know, moving like 26 foot TJs by myself. And I was just like, this, you know, they're not too heavy, but I'm like, this sucks. <laughs> and it's like, you know, you, you couple that with, with being like temperatures, you know, covering in the low double digits and it's just like what the fuck am i doing out here right now? <laughs> dude it'll make you question your sanity it's just so <laughs> tough to get things done to be uh efficient day in day out to be productive you know it's like you have to use oh, like <laughs> every free hour and then you work so hard for 10 12 hours and it's such a struggle and carrying tgis and you're sore and everything and you hardly get anything done it like barely makes a dent you're like oh man a week uh -huh. does nothing uh a month does hardly uh -huh. you know you just hardly notice the effort but 
eventually it comes together, man. So you're you're on the right track. Where are you at in the house right now? Uh, I'm pretty much I have all the framing done. Um, I'm just getting ready to set like the center ridge beam of the um, great room and then do the trusses and all that. Oh, sweet man, you're getting there. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely felt like a grind, though. You know, and this is like you talk about like motivation, and it's like when you're doing it by yourself, that's all you have. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and yeah. you're just like trying to like, you know, you think that hunting is hard, and then it's like, no, uh, uh-uh. uh, like at least that's like, I don't know. I'm not saying building's not enjoyable, but you really got to have some inner drive you know, to like keep yourself on track. Oh my God. The ultimate day in, day out. Yeah, it's the yeah. ultimate man. It's like, oh, yeah. you, you got to motivate yourself when you're just exhausted and you don't feel like at least hunting, it's something you love and something you enjoy and you're interacting with the woods and, and carpentry is fun and building your own house is fun. Well, I don't know if it's fun, but you know, it's like, it's a, a, a meaningful process. Like it means a lot to you. Sure. And it's, it's really fun to be able to build your own home and design it and put it together but uh yeah when you show up at work you know and you're shoveling snow and going for it for another day and it's just <laughs> like man what am i doing with my life you know it's you, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's just really tough to keep yourself up i think it's i think it's like hunting or like anything i think it's tougher mentally than it is physically like your body gets used to the to the work or you get used to grinding day in day out but it's that mental side of things where it kind of like breaks you down or wears you out dude i'm just finally starting to feel like myself man i mean getting in this place and like having a month to myself of finally like i went fishing again i'm able to run again and shoot my bow like i stopped everything in the end to get it done you just have to you know you got to focus on it to get it to get it finished but yeah man they take so much out of me like uh you know and i build for a living and complete houses for a living but it's just different when you're doing your own you know when you're trying to make money or you're trying to you know keep your job going but also then it's just that you know every waking hour on the house trying to get something done you know and in the frustration level man i find myself like when when i get mentally broke down dude the frustration level or my anger just jumps to a 10 just out of nowhere dude and i was i was i was painting my house right i did my own paint job on my house able to save some money and um, I remember this point. There's there's a few points, like low points in building my house or whatever, but this is definitely one of them. And so uh, I'm doing – I decided to do my walls a different color than my ceiling, right? I'm an idiot. It's like I should have just painted the whole thing one color and be done. But you got you got one chance on your house to make it as cool as you can make it. And I liked like this tan color on the walls and this – you know, like a cream color on the ceiling. So, okay. So what you got to do is you got to paint all the walls – uh, all the the um, walls, the color, you know, everything's prime. Ceiling walls are prime. So I've been through this house with the sprayer multiple times. Spray the walls tan, and then I go around, and you have to mask all the walls off so then you can spray the ceiling white so you have these clean, nice lines, you know, at the corner of your walls to your ceiling. And so... I get up there and and I forgot this tool that I found that works really good for it. It's like this masking machine where you put a roll of uh, plastic on there and you put a roll of tape on there and the tape seats halfway on the plastic and so you can with one hand you can just mask this perfect line around your walls in in a perfect world. 
Well, the the masker I have, I don't know, but the tape kept rolling off the plastic, kept rolling off the the stick, and then it'd pull off the walls, and I was just fighting it, and my frustration level was at 10, you know, and I finally pulled it, and I, like, ripped the tape or ripped the plastic or something, dude, and I just, like, I threw a fit like I was a three-year-old. I took that, that... That that tool that's like my lifeline right now, and I hucked it across the room, right? So that thing shatters, and not only did it shatter, the tape ricocheted off the floor and bounced into my brand new wall and put a hole in my brand new wall. You know, just like, God dang it, man. I cannot win, you know? Oh, God, I just get so frustrated. But you got to try to keep your mind right. There's those low times, but uh, it's the ult- ultimate and mental fortitude and um, – uh, just driving forward, and it does mean so much when you get done, dude. So, you know, just keep your head right, sure. keep working away, try to take a day off here or there, man. You'll get there. Yeah, for sure. It definitely uh, – it's a humbling experience, you know. Like, I'm more of, like, a finished carpenter, I'd say. And so, you know, doing all the, like, roughing and, like, the framing and all that, you know, wood's not perfect. And it's just, like, it definitely, you know – it humbles you for sure. You're like, oh, I'm not quite as good as I thought I was, you know. And like, you know, especially when you have to like fix something or redo it completely, you know, like <laughs> that's rough. <laughs> that's rough. And you talk dude. about like anger or frustration. <laughs> it's like, dude, I'm standing up this wall in the second story, and I like had put the sheets of OSB on before I stood it up, right? And I just like, I don't know, something there must've been a low spot in the floor or something. So like my measurement was off and I stood it up and there was like, you know, a quarter inch gap on one side. And I'm just like, dude, like, you know, you start like getting off in one spot and then, you know, you, it exaggerates, you know, obviously the farther along you go. And I was so pissed. And, you know, after you like use a nail gun to like, you know, staple something together, it's like that sheet ain't coming off. easy and it was like at the end of like a very very long day and i was so pissed and i ended up like just disintegrating two sheets of osb just like fucking full send on those things you know my dad was helping me that day he's like Brent, don't do that. and then he just literally walked away like when got in his truck and just like walked away he's like i'm not dealing with this i was just you know, angrily pulling that sheet off and ended up in about like pieces of like one square foot at a time, you know. And shit. Oh, dude, I'm was crying. Other... Dad walks away. You're just so mad, dude. I could just picture yeah. you taking those sheets off, hitting them so hard with your hammer, and pulling pieces apart, just throwing oh, yeah. shit. Just so mad. Oh, oh, yeah. oh dude, I've been and there. It's like, I started off trying to, like, pull them all, like, <clears throat> you know, I stuck my, like, flat bar underneath there, and I'm trying to, like, pop them, but, man, once you, like, shoot those nails into there with a nail gun, like, they ain't coming out, you know? <laughs> like, it's just, Dude, it's made to be there forever, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. 
for sure. <laughs> uh, you try so, you try so hard not to make mistakes, but it isn't a perfect oh, yeah. world on a house. Oh man, to make a mistake yeah. like that that costs you days or weeks when you gotta redo things. <clears throat> I remember uh, uh, I had the guys help me on my house, which was nice. You know, nice to have some effort, and I had thousands of hours myself on it. But it was nice to bring the crew and help me make hits. And I had these two young kids that were helping me out. And uh, they're really good kids from Colorado, great workers, really smart. They can do anything. And uh, Caleb had set the floor tile in um, the showers while I was working in the master shower, working on the tile. And so he showed up. I was working late. It was like 7, 8 o'clock, and I had to get home to dinner to the family. And I tried not to work myself till like 10, 11, 12 o'clock where I'm just exhausted the next day. I tried to be sustainable where I could wake up the next day, go to work, put in 12 hours, and then shut down or whatever. So I was taken off, and one of the kids was going to work late and set the floor of the shower. And I was exhausted when he showed up. And Oh, I said, right on, man. You're going to set that floor of that master shower. Great. And, uh, God, he worked late that night. They were trying to put in extra hours, and it was cold outside, and this was inside work. And uh, I think he wanted to take off an extra day for the weekend or something like that. But anyways, I show up in the morning. He had worked for half the night, and he had set the wrong tile in the master shower floor. I showed up, and it was wrong. And we had to tear the whole thing out and start over from square one. Just like, oh, that stuff that costs you days. And, you know, ultimately, it was my fault. I thought he was straight on which tile went where in the master bath, so I didn't even say anything. I could have just mentioned it just as I left. Hey, by the way, the rock goes in the master shower there. I didn't say anything. You know, I just figured he knew it was all wrong when I showed up. Oh, my God. You talk about Whoa. some episodes of uh, Tourette's doing a house. You know, it's just crazy. <laughs> uh, there's, a, there's a few swear words said in this house. You know, it's like, uh, I, I don't know, man. It's a process, but um, it it is like a... Uh, so meaningful when you get done. And man, you and your ho- you and your family are gonna have such a nice house when you get done. But don't you appreciate the help, like your dad coming down and giving you two weeks, like donating his time? Isn't that such a huge help when you're doing everything by yourself? Oh, man. Yeah, for sure. Like we were able to sheet almost the whole thing, you know, by the time he left, which is awesome. Because it's like, you know, and I made this like, you know, when you're working by yourself, you start working smarter, right? So I made like a jig with a hoist that I like put the jig on top of the wall and then connected the end of the hoist cable to like a jig that I would screw into the piece of the OSB to lift them up. So I wasn't have to like carry stuff up the ladder, you know, that's smart, which was sweet. Yeah. But then like having his help, just even like moving stuff around or him working the hoist while I was on the ladder, like nailing was huge, you know, like, but it was, it was nice just to see how much more work done I got got done with just his help and he is not like cutting or doing anything he's just like literally just grunting you know man it's such but a it's, such a huge help the manpower makes such a difference to get two guys on oh, the side for or, sure. like to have my crew come over my dad did the same thing where he donated you know quite a bit of his time and i like i'd i'd pay him to help me you know but uh he just donated his time but yeah to have like a really good carpenter come through in the finish end and just tackle some of the tough stuff for me it, it just saved me so much time because otherwise you got to touch for every sure. piece every nail and all the all my prior houses i did everything by myself but this one was sure nice to have some help like that so yeah well i, I didn't get you on the podcast to talk construction even though i'm really enjoying the conversation <laughs> but... <laughs> 
<laughs> um, but uh, yeah, man, um, you're going to get to hunting season here before you know it. Uh, looks like you're guiding this year in Montana. Yeah, um, kind of made a switch up this year just to guide here just because with the house construction, you know, you're kind of under the gun with, you know, the bank of trying to get it done and all that. Um, so, yeah, I'm guiding spring bear hunts here, and then I'm doing archery elk and rifle elk as well. Oh, dude, I, I, said, it, pre- I said it on your social media, but uh, you are one of the best bear hunters I know. One of the – for black bears in the lower 48, dude, your your knowledge is just immense, man. And, oh, thanks, man. And you're located in such a great place in the state and in the country where you grow some giant bears. I mean bears that I can't even fathom. I mean to me, a six-foot boar is a, is a big bear, but, man, you have killed some ones that are just on another level. For sure. And I mean, we're just kind of, you know, we're blessed in the fact that a lot of the bears in this part of the world, like, die of old age, you know. So it's like, I mean, yeah, we, you, you know, you look at the harvest quotas every year and how many bears get killed in these units. And like, yeah, yeah there's a few that get killed. But if you think about the sheer numbers of bears that are in there, you know, I've seen like upwards of 15 bears in there in a day. So it's like, you got to think, and that's in one drainage, you know, and that's not, I'm not even thinking that i'm surveying all the bears that are in there like i'm probably seeing like a decent number of the overall number of bears in there but it's like dude i'm not seeing all the bears in there you know and that's like that's what you know and also what lends itself well to it like getting old bears is the country is rugged you know like you've spent time over here it's like it ain't easy you know and so a lot of guys like they need to see bears it's another thing to kill bears you know Dude, in that country, it sure is, man. It's a, uh, it, it's an adventure over there. It's so rugged, like those canyons up and through there, and then the creek crossings, and then, um, uh, yeah, you you may see a bear like you do. You hunt like the same style as I do from vantage points and master vantage points, and you know that country like the back of your hand. But from those vantage points, you're right. You can see a giant bear, but he's so far away, and a crick crossing and lose all your elevation and gain all your elevation it might take you three, four yeah. hours to get to where he's at, you know. And so there are no guarantees going for him. But like, what a great way to spend your strength, your spring, is chasing those things around you got uh any openings for the spring for bears uh, uh looks like i have two weeks open right now um i believe it's uh may 29th to june 2nd and then june 5th to the 9th oh dude and those are awesome dates for hunting bears you couldn't really get better dates oh man for sure like <clears throat> yeah you definitely start getting into the bear rut and like dude last year i think it was that june 5th to the 9th hunt uh, the hunter I had, he was fresh in here from like California. I think it was the first day of the hunt and we saw like, I mean, <clears throat> it was the biggest, it was one of the biggest bears I've ever seen like period. And that was kind of a heartbreaking moment, but he was shooting solid copper bullets and we got into like 190 yards of that bear and he was sitting there munching on, um, early balsam root and, I don't know whether it was like a high shoulder shot or what, but I'm fairly positive that bullet did not expand and do that bear turn and ran like 500 feet straight up, you know, and he was like bleeding for a while, but then stopped. But 
I was a little heartbroken on that one, but man, just that time of year, like you generally, you end up seeing less bears. I feel like overall, but the bears you do see, you're going to like the possibility of seeing a giant is huge, mm. huge, you know, dude, the biggest bear you've ever seen. What color was it? Oh dude, it was like cinnamon. Oh. So it was like, you know, it's like the, the anomaly that you're just like, you never see a bear that big, that color. And it was just like, dude, I was, I'm not very happy, but <laughs> what, what, what are you going to do? <laughs> Tourette's in the woods, huh? <laughs> yeah. No, and then I went and looked uh, for that thing for like two days. Oh, you know, that's I was too like, bad, well, man. yeah. And it's just like, ah, dude, it's, you know, what you think was a slam dunk, and then it's just like ends up not, and, you know, that's tough. Yeah. Well, tough, uh, tough for everybody. What um uh what outfit are are you running through? Or is the best way just to get a hold of you through like social media? Yeah, you can get a hold of me through social media, and we can kind of talk about like dates and uh, prices. Um, Latitudes Outfitting has all the information for the spring bear hunts. Okay, um, that's right. On the on the website, yep, and they should have available dates and all that. Um, people are more more than welcome to check that out. I definitely like to vet anyone who's interested just to make sure we're like a good fit. Um, you know, the country is pretty demanding and I just want to make sure that like people are know what they're in for before they like sign up for a hunt. Cause the last thing I want is for somebody to like book a hunt. That's not, you know, well paired with what we have to offer. And then they end up just coming on a fairly expensive five day hiking trip. Yeah, dude. Well, that's smart. It makes sense. Like you want them to have a quality experience, and you're right. You got to be in ripping shape. And it's like you, you, when they team up with you, it, it does have to be a good fit. Uh, but you're just like one of the funnest guys to go hunting with. Just your knowledge base, and then your drive when you're in the woods and um uh, knowledge of the country and so dude like i'd like i'd do it just to uh learn from you i know i pick up tips every time i hunt with you i love adventuring with you man and i just want to do more oh, of it yeah. in the future <laughs> you're so good at inviting me on so many different places you go and things you do and gosh dang it we both just run so busy but i'm i'm gonna take a step back and have more time and you're like one of the guys oh, i nice. want to adventure with more for sure Nice, man. Thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah. Um, so you're doing that. Uh, spring bears coming up, and then um, you're going to guide deer and elk hunters this year. Is this through Latitude as well? Um, I can offer some hunts through here. Um, I'm just partnered recently with uh, Lazy J Bar O Outfitters um, out of Big Timber. Oh, cool. <clears throat> so it's kind of more on like the uh, like the bear tooth front, bear tooth absolutely good bear tooth area. Um, which would be cool. You know, uh, it's just nice like that. There's overnight usage over there as well. So we can really offer some true like wilderness backpack backcountry experience, which I think a lot of people are wanting to do. Not that they don't want to do, you know, a lodge based hunt or something like that. But I think there's a real, <clears throat> there's a real pull for, you know, people to want to come out and actually go on like a real, you know, more, more than the hunt is, is to go on like an actual adventure while hunting, you know, and there's only so much you can do with like day hunts of being able to, you know, really experience that sense of adventure. Cause like a day hunt, you're out there for like 10, 12 hours. Right. But if you're backpacking, I mean, it's like a whole all encompassing experience, you know, 
oh, dude, um, what a great fit for you. It is like the longer sure. you hunt, like uh, 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 you like me, we've had a lot of success in the mountains with their bows and, uh, you know, with their rifles or whatever the case is. But you start to figure out when you have that success, it's like when you're young, what drives you, you know, is killing a big bull or big buck. And that's still my drive. I still like that's the end goal for sure. But you you just start to find more fulfillment and more enjoyment out of like the journey and out of the experience and the adventure of it. Like all of a sudden an easy hunt doesn't interest me at all. You know, it's like, I want to go on an adventure and the Absorky Beartooth range definitely offers an adventure. Like I think I've about died in that range a couple times. Like it's, <laughs> it's pretty rugged and brutal up there, isn't it? But it's, um it's got such a great population of elk and then it's got some giant mule deer in it too man like i've uh i remember i had my goat hunt in there in like 2013 and uh i located one heck of a buck in there and and um i made a play at him and he was living like just classic high country mule deer above 10,000 feet in just this rugged oh, basin yeah. and dude i made this play on him with my bow and, um, you know, it took me like an hour to loop around him and I come down and I see him right there and I sneak in and he's in bow range as I peek around the tree and I, I go, God, that doesn't look like the same buck. And I pulled up my binos and it was like a big three point, which I probably should have arrowed anyways, but I was like, where'd the big buck go? Cause there was a great big four that was with him. And I'm not sure, oh, I'm not sure what happened. I figured he was bedded there somewhere. And so I hung out in bow range of that three point for, an hour, hour and a half, uh, for like as long as wow. I can until like last light. And, um, he never showed up. So I'm not sure if he just separated or just got a wild hair and moved off, but there's some great muleys in that range too. Yeah, for sure. And it's just, you know, you have such a vast wilderness there that it's like, it can like the, the, the animals can like refresh themselves. Right. So it's like, they never get so shot out to where it's like, there's not big animals in there. You know, it's like in, you know, Park County, if you look in the Montana state records, like you look at how many bulls and bucks are in the Montana state records from Park County. And it's like astounding. It's one of the top producing trophy counties like in the state. Oh, absolutely. Yep. And, and, um, yeah, the genetics in there, like those bulls are such a dark, heavy horn mountain bulls. Like they're just the the real deal, man. That's the real experience and a good fit for you. That that overnight deal, uh, being able to go overnight, like all of a sudden you're able to hunt like the style me and you like to hunt too, right? It's like we get to go for it and send it and go have an adventure. So uh, what a what a wild offering for like guys to be able to team up with you. Are you doing um? Both bow and rifle. Yep. Yeah, we're doing both. Uh, arch. We're doing archery elk um, paired with bear hunts in there. You know, <clears throat> I feel like that's a pretty good fit. You know, when you're archery elk hunting, it seems like the other animal that you see most often are bears, black bears. You know. Um, yes. And so that presents a good opportunity to do a combo hunt. I've thought about doing some mule deer combination with that, but I just feel like generally you know and you can probably speak to this as well when you're archery elk hunting most of the time you're a little bit lower than where those mule deer are probably going to be hanging out i mean you might hit the mule deer kind of on the fringe of where you're elk hunting but if you're like in elk you're probably not going to be in mule deer that time of year anyway you know it's like you start seeing those mule deer in the similar habitat once the rut kind of starts happening and that september it's like 
you're really gonna have to like change tactics if you want to like go after mule deer on an elk hunt that time of year you know so true like you got to put your focus somewhere those combo trips uh they they um hardly ever work out at least for like uh elk and and mule deer it seems like you you just have to put your effort in one or the other you know and if you're putting it into mule deer then you're not into elk and if you're putting it into elk you're not into mule deer you know it's just the way it is and that time of year too like those bow hunts it's like what you really want to go experience is the rut like the most thrilling hunting on planet earth like you just want to put all your effort getting into to elk and like you say you'll definitely run across bears as you're hunting elk uh, but your focus is going to be chasing bugles and big bulls and man you just couldn't get like better country for an adventure just those canyons are so big like uh i've wanted to get back in there myself i just love that country in there and the animals in there um but it is i mean that is an adventure and like you say the you know these hunts that we go on uh it's more about the experience and the journey and that place is definitely going to give you an experience in there you know you, you can put on some miles in that country for sure. And it's nice to be able to kind of stretch your legs a little bit. You know, last year I was offering hunts uh, kind of locally here, you know, and also in where I do my bear hunts. But you can't really, like, get out and stretch your legs too much. I mean, you can, but there's only so much country you can cover before you're kind of, like, walled off. Um, and, you know, the Absaropi bear tooth, it's like, man, that's a <clears> – there's <laughs> – more than enough country for you to want to stretch your legs, you know, and it's like you can go too far in some of that stuff, but, you know, we'll <laughs> we'll keep it within our limitations, but <laughs> definitely it'll have some some big adventure in there for sure. Yeah. Well, and the, um, the rifle hunts will be killer, dude. Um, we've talked about late season rifle hunts, um, and uh, I, you know, I think that taught me as much in my hunting career as any of the hunting I've ever done. Like those late season rifle hunts, that's an experience in itself. I think it's like, you know, like experiencing the September rut for elk uh, is so thrilling and it almost changes your life when you go do it. I think it's the same thing with late season hunting with a rifle for those elk when they're in their winter range. You know, here in Montana, we have public pressure. And so those bulls run a pretty tight program. But gosh, you have to glass. It's cold. You got to put on miles like you just got to really hunt your butt off. But um, man, I found so much fun and enjoyment and and so much knowledge in hunting that late season so what a great offering there too to team up with somebody uh with the rifle so you have an extended range so if you do find a big bull you've got a pretty good chance to kill him and um man what a what a great offering for guys to be able to go on that late season november rifle hunt for sure and especially you know you get weather like we had last year and like the migration was like on you know like that was that was some of the craziest that was probably one of the craziest late season hunts I've ever seen, you know, last year. I mean, obviously I was hunting in a different area than where I'll be guiding, but that was like that was unlike anything I've ever seen. And that's what you hope for, you know, and you just like that was nuts. I've yeah, I've never seen that many elk as I saw last year. And like that's the weather that like every year you hope for. And like the year before, we didn't get it. We didn't get it the year before that. But it's like, man, when, you, when that weather hits right and it's just like winter, God, there is, it's pretty, I mean, it's comparable to the rut, I feel like, in my opinion, just because you, you're seeing so many animals every day. You know, it's like, and they have to be out in the open that time of year most of the time because they have to feed. You know, like that's the only thing keeping them alive is 
going out eating that grass like and that you know that's going to fuel them and keep them warm and just you're you know you got that rifle so you got the extended range and like the possibility if you see one to kill that elk is way high like in archer season man you see some big bulls for sure but that does not mean you're going to kill that bull that doesn't even mean you're going to get within a quarter mile of that bull but like you know rifle season god especially late man if you see that bull in that pocket that he's hanging out in and you don't like you know you don't mess it up on the way in there you got a really good chance of killing that thing so true well in that weather it's almost like a one in ten year uh uh deal but it's it's not it's one in ten years when you get the absolute magic where it goes insane and you know blows out your eyeballs or whatever but uh you know you you tend to get stretches of that weather every season you know where you get a big storm that comes in and you can capitalize on it i actually do good during the archery season just because i know this country so well and where the elk show up at that i do really good in like september october snowstorms that these elk start to tease their winter range spots you know start to come out on the fringes and just knowing where they're going to show up and being in front of well two years ago i killed that great bull doing that hunting that snowstorm you know so yeah. I, I love hunting the weather like that and um again it's about the the journey and the experience and that just offers like so much adventure you know it's so fun are you comboing that elk hunt with mule deer then yeah, yeah. So all okay. the rifle hunts will be um, offered with deer and elk. Um, people are more than welcome to buy with you know a non-resident combination license. I think you're offered a wolf tag for like fifty bucks, which I think you know if there's any time you're gonna kill a wolf, it's probably right then, and you'd be an idiot not to buy that wolf tag. You know, like that's fifty bucks, like that's a drop in the bucket. For you sure. Know? Yep. Um. Yeah. Oh, dude, what a, uh, how cool, like, uh, uh, you know, it's a unique experience to be able to hunt mule deer during the rut too. And in a mountain zone like that, they just grow such heavy, big, dark horns, you know, kind of like the one you shot last year, but, um, you know, it's just like such a great time of year to be able to hunt the rut. Like you can't rut hunt across the country. There's not very many tags and you have to draw a specific tag, but the Montana, you know, they allow us to hunt muleys during the rut with a rifle. So, uh, it's like during that time of year to be able to have a mule deer tag and be up in those mountains, you don't know what you're going to run into up there. No, it's a pretty cool, it's a very special thing. Like you're saying, like, if you look at tag availability across the West, as far as hunting mule deer in November, it's, like, pretty minimal. And, you know, people, you know, I hear this a lot of, like, you, I swear on, like, the bad weather years, and by bad weather, I mean very mild, of guys being like, oh, we killed all the killed all the deer, there's no big bucks left in Montana, blah, blah, blah. And then you have a year like last year where it snows, you know, from opening day until the last weekend. And I mean, I can't tell you how many big bucks I saw on the feeds of people from Montana. And I don't think anybody was griping about there not being big bucks left in the state. You know, you hit that weather window, right? And it's like, man, those things just seem to come out of the woodwork, you know? And even if you don't get that weather, if you just hunt hard and kind of keep your nose at the grindstone, there's always a chance of finding that big buck hanging out in the pocket. And I, I think more than anything, you know, people talk about being physically in shape, but man, these late season hunts and any hunting in general, I feel like you, you just gotta have the right mental fortitude to be like, to realize that, man, yeah, you might have three or four days of not seeing what you're after, but all it takes is like 
that one split second where you, you your head is in the game, you know, you're down and out, but you keep on it, and then you see that animal that you're finally after. Yeah, that might be day five or day six of the hunt, but it's like it, you got to keep mentally in there. You know, I've had clients that check out after like a day and a half, and you're just like, dude, you paid all this money. Like, I mean, it's no skin off my back if you quit, but I don't want you to quit. You know, you just got to – if you can keep your mental focus there, and I know it's extremely difficult, especially if you're not doing it all the time, but if you can keep that mental focus there – and just remind yourself, like, anything can happen at any moment. You know, that, that'll that take you farther than any, like, physical training you can possibly do. I'm not advocating people show up out of shape, but I am advocating <laughs> that, like, keeping a strong mental attitude is, is paramount in killing anything across the board. I mean, to this day, the biggest bull I've ever guided in Montana was also the oldest client I've ever taken out. And that guy marched 2,500 feet up the mountain that morning to kill that bull, you know? And like, I've had guys, you know, in their thirties and forties just check out and not even like, you know, they're a hundred yards into it and they're like, what am I doing? You know? And it's like, but then you have that guy like old Stan. I mean, he, his attitude, he had the best attitude of any hunter I've ever had. And he was just looking at me like, Hey man, I can only do what I can do, but let's try it. You know? And he had the, it was a long day and it was, you know, I felt like I was going to kill him, you know, but he, he stuck with it and he ended up killing like the bull of life. I mean, it's the highlight of my guide career right there, you know, and it's like, I wish that more people had that. We can only do what we can do, but we're just going to take it one step at a time. Mm, man, that's, um, you're tapping into something, Brandon, like, um, successful hunters, Sometimes it's tough to put your finger on why you're successful, but you're right. Like it all starts and ends with your attitude and mental fortitude. And, you know, part of being in good physical shape is I'm able to develop my mind in the off season by making myself put on those miles or that elevation or whatever it is. But, but you're right. And that when, you know, for the, the key for anybody to be successful is to keep your head in the game, to keep believing it can come together. And it's easy easy for even us experienced guys to get beat down or to feel like we're not going to come out on top or not going to be successful and then not have our head in it and be putting full effort and almost like giving a half ass effort, you know? And so that you're so right. And I think that's something that everybody can tap into that the key to success is mental fortitude, keeping your head in the game. And like you say, just like, uh, uh, I'm going to do what I can do, you know, whatever your limitations are, you're going to give it your all on a hunt. But I, I find that on my, on my, early season bow hunts i mean heck on my moose hunt this year 30 days of trying to keep my head in the game dude it was like oh my gosh i about lost my mind a couple times you know i went the first seven days and didn't see a moose you know it's like um Whoa. It, it it was a grind it's like a mountain unit and you know i can remember back when i've seen good bowls but that's over 25 years of spending time in there and so then i started to turn up moose and i started to dial it in but really i had to keep my head in the game and i found myself at times like i said it as a joke to my buddies to make them laugh that i must be the shittiest moose hunter on planet earth you know because i've been to the alaskan yukon and I, now i've got this shiris tag and i would go look for moose and i didn't see any for the first seven days 
days and my buddy saw a great bull in this drainage and I'm like, oh man, I'm the worst moose hunter alive, you know? And so I said it as a joke and it was funny and I, you know, I didn't really mean it, but then I started to repeat that even when I was by myself and I was not seeing moose. I'm like, man, I'm a crappy moose hunter. Like I just can't seem to find a bull. And I, you know, I'd almost felt lost because I didn't know which tactic to use. I didn't know whether to drive roads I didn't know whether to grab master vantage points or I didn't know whether to still hunt like up bottoms or up drainages or still hunt into country. And and what ended up working was a combination of the three. Uh, I actually ended up killing my bull still hunting like I hiked up a canyon a couple miles and then ended up finding them up there. And there was moose tracks up that canyon. But, you know, I realized like how important self-talk is. And even though I said it as a joke – I started to almost repeat it to myself, and when I repeated it to myself, to be honest, um, like I had to make sure I was giving full effort for every day I was moose hunting. Whether I was going to see a moose or not, like I had to realize the opportunity in front of me, that I have a Shiras moose tag that I've waited 25 years for. I have my bow, and, and I, I've like got the... You know, I've got the opportunity to hunt them in this mountain range. Like, that is a special opportunity. And even if I don't kill one, just to have that tag in my pocket, like, I've got to give it my all. So when I end season, if I don't kill a moose, I know that I gave it absolutely everything I had. And so I had to tell myself, like, stop the negative talk. Like, you're a great hunter. Like, you just need to you need to think through this like any hunt. Like, what's going to be effective? What's your next move? Where has moose been? Like, keep trying. Keep dialed in. Keep your head in the game. Keep putting forth full effort every single day you have. And, and it's amazing how many times things come together, and it came together on that hunt. But uh, it's just, I just love what you're talking about, that mental fortitude. And you see so many clients, and you see the difference in attitude and then the difference of guys that are successful and not. And like the old guy that you guided to, a giant bull, had the best attitude. And we're capable of so much more than we ask ourselves, right? We get beat down mentally, and then we don't want to put in the miles or the elevation because we don't feel like we're going to see you know, a giant bull up there. But this guy is like – Man, I mean, we're like there's a saying that you only uh, that we only put forth 40 percent of what we're really capable of. And you saw it with that old guy that, you know, climbed 2500 vertical feet like he just got his head right, put a smile on his face and just said, I'm going to do everything I can do to kill a bull. And he pushed himself to his limits and then ended up killing a giant bull. But that's so the key to success everywhere we go, everything we do. Don't you agree? Oh, for sure. And I mean, you, you can take that lesson into life, you know, obviously, but it's like that positive energy is like contagious and, you know, it's nice. <laughs> I know that I'm personally guilty of getting a little negative sometimes, you know, and especially like you're saying of like, it's kind of easy sometimes to slip into like that negative mindset and like kind of putting yourself down and like, man, it is kind of important, like to try to, to try to talk yourself up a little bit, like, you're not trying to be cocky or anything, but it's like you want to try to, you know, give yourself some positive reaffirmments to, like, keep going. You know, like, last year on my rifle elk hunt at the end of the season, I mean, dude, I had been out in the field since August 10th, you know, and I'd been in a variety. I'd had the worst season in Alaska I've ever had. I mean, it rained 25 or 30 days. I was in the field. I was not super successful. It was really tough. Montana, I, you know – it as soon as rifle season started, we just got like hammered with weather. It was really tough for my clients to deal with. So I had like 
two weeks or three weeks or whatever it was of just like really tough, you know, trying to like, not that I was coddling these hunters, but trying to like push them to keep hunting. And then, you know, I'm left with the last week of the season to try to get my own elk. And there was definitely, you know, points with trying to be like, you know, how do you balance like trying to motivate yourself to be out there and then like, you know, what the realities are. And, you know, last year was a special deal because how good the elk hunting was in rifle season. So it was kind of easier to, you know, motivate, but it was still like, dude, we were grinding for like four or five days. And then on like that fifth day, it's like, dude, even when we saw that bull, I mean, we had just hiked in there like five and a half, six miles and climbed. I mean, it was, I think we were at like 3000 elevation gain when we saw the elk and the elk was across the drainage, you know, and it was just like the buddy I was with just looked at me like, dude, you're out of your mind. You know, he's like, he's trying to be like, maybe I'll just stay here and just like hunt around here. And I was like, yeah, you could do that. But I was like, it'd be really helpful, you know, if you came with me to like go kill this bull. And, you know, eventually I kind of, you know, I convinced him to go with me and he was really glad that he did. But, you know, I was having to kind of like, you know, kick him a little bit, you know, being like, come on, dude, we like, you know, I can see that that bull was in a spot that if we got over there, like he's within range and like, we're going to kill that thing, you know, and just being like, but it was, you know, that was five or six hard days of like, really tough like grinding you know it was not that it was hard to stay in the game because we we were seeing stuff every day but it was like man it was really cold and you know a lot of snow i think you know i shot that bull and it was like knee deep snow you know and that ain't easy especially when you're walking you know especially in that country because you if you're not walking at least 10 miles a day like you're not even hunting you know and like you couple that with the you know low single to maybe low double digits and it's like dude you just gotta like positive reaffirmations a little bit you know and it's like i always like to reference the movie the edge with anthony hopkins and like they you know they're being stalked by a bear in the alaska wilderness after they get involved in a plane crash but he's like you know his attitude is what one man can do another can do you know so it's like you see all these people being successful and the only difference between you and those people that are successful is their mental attitude to keep going you know, and like, God, I just wish that everybody could just, and client, certain clients just check out after a while. And you just wish that you could just be like, just shake them a little bit and be like, dude, you just got to keep going. Just one foot in front of the other. Every step you take is one step closer to your goal. You know, like just keep hammering. Dude, that's so true, man. Um, you just got to keep your head in the game. I know what you're talking about with the clients checked out. And I know what you're talking about when you talk about, uh, you you know your personal feelings and where you get and and like you say it was good elk hunting but to try to trudge through that snow it takes three times the exertion to do a mile than it does on dry ground like you're just exhausted and then dealing with those cold temps starting a fire everywhere you're at like the cold takes a different kind of toughness too like that wears on you too and so you have all these things wearing on your positive mental attitude you know your positive uh, mental fortitude to get it done to be successful and so um you know it's like one of the beautiful things about being a human is like the more you put into something the more it means to you so like during tough times 
when you can keep a positive attitude and you can keep putting forth effort and um, it comes together, like the harder it is, the more it means to you when you kill that bull or kill that buck. You know, it's like you you, you climbed Everest, like you you got to the edge of the breaking point or where, you know, a lot of times you turn back or you haven't keep putting forth effort or like it would have been so easy for you and your buddy to sit there and see that bull off and you guys are already six miles back and it's deep snow and look at that bull and go man he's just too far to pack out or man he's just too far to get to with the snow or like it's really easy to make excuses and i hunted with um a cameraman kobe owens and um you know like we were talking and he was saying like the difference between hunting with me and hunting with other guys is i'm always trying to give ourselves a chance like i never quit i am always like you know, it, there's no buck too far, there's no adventure too big, and there's, like, every day we are going to go out and we are going to grind. But he said, you know, the difference between me and other guys he's hunted with is that uh, when we see a buck, me and him, we go for it with a bow and arrow, and we're going to go try to make a stock and go try to kill the buck. He says hunting with other guys, a lot of times there's just an excuse there, and there's always an excuse. And you don't want to go in and blow out some buck or blow out some bull. Like you, you definitely can't be reckless, but you also like have to give yourself a chance. You have to try. You have to go out there and give it. And he said that was the the difference of hunting, and not like like I'm tooting my own horn. I'm just trying to talk about the difference between you know other hunters and me that's consistently successful with my bow and he was saying like the difference is is you always go for it like you are always in it and i sure. i and think there's something to that that's hard yeah and like, yeah i've you know i've been there i've been like ah eh, i don't want to get over there you know and it's like it's it's always easy to find an excuse you can always do it yes. you know you can always figure it out and like Blah, blah, blah. But the key to it, I mean, really is, and obviously there's extraneous circumstances where sometimes like you, you have to be smart. And there's times <laughs> where it's like, okay, like, yeah, I try to, to try to balance that ambition with the like realities of what you're kind of facing. It's like, there is kind of a fine line there. And there sometimes is. it is hard to, to like figure out where that mesh is and to, you know, to feel personally that you did give it your all, but you also hunted smart because you definitely don't want to like, you know, when I was, I think when we're all like kind of starting out, especially like hunting and stuff, it's like, I know I was guilty probably of going like too hard. I know for a fact that I did and like I wasn't hunting smart, but you know, part of what I learned from that is like what I can really do in a day. And you know, some of that maybe comes from the like summer hiking that I do and stuff of like, you know, I did a hike uh, last summer that was like what I thought mapped out was going to be like a 12 mile hike turned into being like 18 and a half. (laughs) You know, that was, I did that in in like less than, uh, it was like 13 hours, you know, I mean, it was a grind, but it was like, you do stuff like that. And it's like, God, you can, you know, (laughs) yeah, that bucks over there a mile and a half, like that ain't that far. You know, it's like you can cover that ground, especially if you just stay in it and just keep telling yourself, like, one foot in front of the other, like, you can make that happen. But it is easy to, like, just try to step back and be like, yeah, uh, yeah, you know, him and hawing and make an excuse why you don't want to go over there. Um, But, you know, at the end of the day, the only person you got to answer to is yourself. You know, it, it feels a lot better knowing that you gave it everything rather than, like, you kind of copped out and, 
you know, obviously I've been guilty of it. I've, I've definitely done it. I've, you know, I've definitely had hunts where I'm out there. I'm definitely not giving it 110%. And then I know I've been like driving home and then like, I wish I would have sent harder. And the only thing I was thinking about after that is like, Oh man, I need to, you know, next time I'm going to go harder next time I'm actually going to give it. And then it's the times that you actually do give it, dude, those are going to kill stuff. And like this year, I wasn't blessed with a ton of time out there, you know, and I just gave it everything I had and it ended up working out, you know, but it was like, I made the most of the time that I had out there. And that's, that's like paramount, especially if you're, you know, on like a guided trip, you have like five or six days generally. And it's like, you got to send it, you know, and you got to just stay in it to where like, that's the only time you got. So you, you might as well give it everything you have. Dude, that's it. Yeah, it's um, so well said. And, like, um, I really like, like, that point you made about it's a fine line between um, uh, effort and recklessness, you know, and you can always make right. an excuse, <laughs> but sometimes there is a reason not to go over there. And and like you said, when I was younger, I had almost too much gusto. Like, I would just oh, – yeah. anything <laughs> I saw, I mean – I'd see a buck that was so far away and I'm already so far back in and I'd, I'd make a play even though he wasn't in a good position or even though I didn't have a good win. And I'd go over there and of course I blew up the whole scenario, never got a chance at him. And then I just had the long walk back in the dark or whatever to get back to camp and go, God, I was such an idiot there, but it is a balance. You can also sit on that vantage point and look at a buck in a good spot and make an excuse why not to go for him. So it is like this fine line and it's a gray area. It's not black or white. And so uh, I definitely have got more patient as I've got older. So I've been able to take this this gusto and this go forward attitude, no buck too far, no bull too far, put on the miles, do the elevation. I've been able to pair that with like being patient and waiting for the right moment to go in and make that play or um, to sit back and sit on a on a buck or a bull because he isn't in the right spot. Wait for him to get into that that right spot. Or like I get in close and I don't force the issue. I know that I've got days on my side and if it comes together, great. But if it doesn't, I'll just lay here inside 100 yards of this buck and I'll try again tomorrow, you know. And so I've been able to pair like strategy and intelligence um, uh, with my go for it attitude. And that seems to be like the perfect mix. And so you you have to be real with yourself when you're looking at an animal and think to yourself, am I making an excuse because I don't want to go over there? Or is it really an like a spot where I shouldn't go and I should wait for a better opportunity? And so you kind of got to talk yourself through those moments or think your way through those moments. Uh, you know, to make sure that you are giving absolute full effort, uh, but you're also like not being reckless with your stocks or your time. There, there's nothing worse than you know, and and with a bow, it's just so difficult. So you can go all in, and you're just not going to kill a lot of the animals you go for, even though you're putting forth full effort. You know, and it takes like this adapting and evolving as a hunter to kind of figure out what that perfect mix is. Uh, but you know, the, the, the whole reason I've ever been successful is because of my tenacity or because of my go forward attitude or mental fortitude that I keep pushing. And that goes for like, um, 
you know, not only when you're when you're on a tough hunt or you can't find critters or you've got to go put miles on, but that goes for like the lows of hunting too. Like it happens, man. We miss, we screw up stocks, and that is a heartbreaker, you know. And it cuts you to like your core. Like you've put everything into this hunt, and you're five days in, and the buck of a lifetime stands up, and you airball it. You know, like that is tough to get yourself over. It puts you in such a low that the only thing you want to do is go, well, that was my chance. You know, I screwed it up. Uh, it's time to hike out of here. That was the hunt. I'm not going to get another opportunity. It's like so easy to give into that or give up. Uh, but yeah. like a really good mental attitude is to to be able to, to be upset by it. It hurts. But to just go, well, I just got to pick myself up and keep going. And if I don't kill a buck, at least I'm going to give effort for these last three days I have. Maybe I'll find that buck again. Maybe I'll travel to this other canyon. Maybe I'll turn up a buck in there. But, like, being able to pick yourself up from, like, the lows. And that's, like, hunting pressure. That's, you know, not finding game animals. That's, like, a, a big low in hunting. It's like a, a miss or a screwed up stock where you make a stupid mistake or, you know, whatever the case is. But just being able to pick yourself back up and go, okay, get back in the game. Like, get your head right. Like, it isn't over yet. Like, I've still got a chance. I'm still up here, and I've still got arrows in my quiver. Like, it can still happen. But I can't tell you how many times... Like I go through those lows, like it, you know, not that I miss on every hunt, but I, every hunt has lows in it that you have to like pick yourself up out of and continue to push yeah. forward. And I think that's a huge difference maker as well. For sure. And I mean, any, if there's a hunter out there that claims they don't miss, they are full of it. Like I missed like last year on my bull. I mean, it, it was a very tough shot. I was like, you know, we, we see him. We get in on him, and we're like 315 yards, and he's bedded in the timber. The only thing I can see is his neck and his head. And I, like, shimmied around on this ridge for, like, an hour and a half, like, maybe not an hour and a half, but, like, an hour, trying to, like, get a different window or get a different vantage. But it was to the point where, it was like, dude, if this bull stands up, I am not going to be able to get a shot. So I'm going to, like, take what I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot my shot, right? And so I get lined up on him. The only thing I can see is his head and his neck. And I mean, I can't see, I can see half of his face and I can see his neck about down to his shoulder. So it's like, I'm not, I don't have a big window here. Right. And I get lined up on him. It was a, it was a tough shot because he was bedded in North facing timbers. So I'm shooting to the South. And this is at like, I think I shot him like right at noon. So it's like solar noon too. So the sun is at the highest point in the sky. The sun is coming into my scope. Right. And I'm just like, you know, I'm thinking like, dude, I can't like, I can barely see out of my scope. Like this is rough. Anyway, I get lined up on him. My buddy's on the spotter. I shoot airball it, just totally miss, you know, and like, I'm like trying to give myself a little bit of credit. I'm not shooting at a, like a very big window. Anyway, the muzzle blast puts snow in my scope and like the bull's sitting there like looking around and so I wipe like trying to wipe the snow out of my scope reload I get back on him and he clearly like it must have just like went right over him because he's like sitting there looking around like what just happened you know like clearly he heard the shot and I'm like sitting there some glare in my scope still and now my scope's wet so it's like the visibility is like, oh, woof. And it would have been pretty easy at that point to be like, ah, oh, this isn't going to work. And then I just like, man, 
you know, I was like, now you can do this. You can make this shot. And I just had the belief in myself that I could do. And sometimes it does take a miss. Dude, you already got lead in the air. What's to stop you from throwing another one out there, you know, like <laughs> whatever. <laughs> and ended up on that second shot, just like lacing like right behind the skull and just like dropped him, you know, but it was like, dude, sometimes that shot you get is not ideal and you got to be prepared to like capitalize on it. You know, it might not be like, dead broadside standing there 200 yards or you know dead broadside 30 with a bow it's like dude sometimes it might be it's going to be a little bit more challenging than you thought it's not going to be what it was you know it's not sitting there shooting on the range and i like to you know personally i like to go shoot whether it's a bow or a rifle from like i like to try to shoot challenging shots where i'm not like shooting just straight at the target like i'll go out there and like set up and get like set up in a weird position to where like my body's in a weird position you know it's hard to get my rifle set up so that when I go in the field it's not like I'm I'm more prepared for those situations like dude it's really like it's hard to replicate anything on the mountain right but it's especially hard if you just go and you only shoot at the bench or you shoot at like the local archery range that's like a straight flat level ground you know and like that's not going to replicate. Yeah. It's going to make you, it's going to allow you to be sighted in, but it's not necessarily making you like a good archer or a good, a good rifleman to some degree. Like you need to get out there and shoot those like off camber shots or shoot those like unlevel shots, real uphill, real downhill, you know, get a crosswind and just try to like, not that you can replicate it on the mountain, but just try to replicate, things not being perfect because it's never going to be perfect and it's never going to be how you thought it up in your head. And there's always going to be some kind of like weirdness to it. And you got to be able to like, that's a really hard thing to do, but that I think that makes people like us more successful that like, you know, we've been in those situations and stuff, but you know, for people that aren't all the time, if they can go out and try to put themselves in that position, it'll make it easier on the mountain when things aren't perfect, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, um, the guys that are, that are good at it have a kill switch, you know, and you flip that kill switch. And and what that means is like, you just have the instincts or you make the moves to be able to kill those animals. You don't get frozen. You've been there before. Like you make it happen like you with the dude, I can just picture you on that Ridge. And it's, um, you know, like you bring up a good point in your practice, like right now in the off season is the time to improve your skill sets with your rifle, with your bow to get as good as you can get. So when you get in the field, it gives you your best chance of success. And, and, um, you know, it's like you, you dial in your rifle, you dial in your bow and sure you do that on a bench, you do that on a range, you do that with good footing. But once that stuff's dialed, that's when you need to challenge yourself out there. And, and, um, you learn pretty quick that mountain shooting is way different than shooting at a bench or at an archery range or in the backyard with my flip-flops. I mean, I can continually put arrows in the center of a target 80, 100 yards, no problem. But you get on the mountain and you start shooting angles and you have uneven footing and you have that that dose of adrenaline, man. I am 20 yards worse out in the mountains and I know that. You know, It's just going to be (laughs) a higher degree of difficulty. And the same thing with rifle is you see guys that become really good shots, but then all of a sudden they're going to get a shot at a bull and they don't know how to get into a shooting position on the mountain like a you know all of a sudden prone doesn't work and so right. they're sitting and trying to put a bag and they just can't get comfortable and make a good shot because they didn't practice getting in all those shooting positions which is part of like developing your killer instincts and uh i'm like you like uh 
I have good killer instincts, but if I miss a shot, you better not give me a second shot because it's like a fighter getting hit in the yep. face. Like the second shot, yep. I don't know if I've ever missed a second shot. Like they always seem to hit money. I don't know if it's just like oh, yeah. the adrenaline gets out of me or like the – I don't know what it is, but I just – um I snap into it. And so like – uh. Uh, you know, I, 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 I really like to make it count on the first shot, one clean kill, perfect arrow, but it's hunting and it just doesn't always happen that way, but they better not give me a second shot. Cause that thing's going through the vitals. Like, um, <laughs> For you sure. know, it, but, uh, that's only due to all the practice I do. That's only due to all the difficult archery shots I make to the thousands of arrows I shoot in the off season, developing my archery skill that I have good killer instincts in the mountains and I shoot the angles. I I shoot uh, uneven footing, which it makes a huge difference. I shoot with the pack on my back. I shoot at 3D targets. You know, I put in all this work in the off season to have the best uh, uh, shooting skill set I can with my bow. So, you know, I can give myself the best chance on those difficult shots. And it gives me a lot of confidence that when I do get a shot at an animal uh, that I can put it through the vitals and, um, yeah, I just think that's so important what you're saying. It's like you get your stuff doped in to where it's shooting really accurate and you know everything's on, and then it's about really getting out and challenging yourself, you know, sprinting back and then shooting with an elevated heart rate or doing a bunch of push-ups where your arms are jello and you're not holding steady but you still got to execute a good shot. Like just doing all these things to try to replicate what it's going to feel like in the mountains when that big bull's standing there or that big buck's standing there because it's like easy to sit here, you know – on a call or on our office and talk about how good we are. It's another thing in the mountains, man. It's just not easy to make good shots all the time. It's, you know, especially you, you're so good with your rifle, so good with your bow. I'm so good with my bow. Misses still happen, you know? And so I just know that I've got to put in the work in the off season to be as good as I can, you know, when I get a chance during season, because once season gets here, you have the skill set you have and you're not improving anymore because you're not shooting multiple arrows per day. You're not working on your skill set so you're actually getting a touch worse as the season goes on but you only have the skill set that you've worked for during season that's all you don't have a chance to improve once season's there you know and yeah you, you have to focus on your execution and doing things right but really the improvement and the works put in on the off season oh absolutely and yeah just you want to be as dialed as you can because i don't i mean I know personally, you know, especially guiding and stuff. It's like, man, once the season gets here, I am not shooting a bunch. Like I might be lucky if I get to shoot like a couple shots, you know, in rifle season. Like, I don't know if I've ever really been able to like go practice, you know, or to like go shoot just to shoot. It's like, man, you're in kill mode. Um, you got to spend all your time hunting. Yeah, exactly. Cause it's like, you don't want to be spending your time on the range in season. Cause like you're not dialed in. You know, like that's the last thing you want to do. Like you definitely want to be like dialed, dialed. But you know, like you're saying, like yeah, people definitely. I mean, you don't want to get down about that miss. And like that, I mean, I've had some misses and I've had some bad shots where it does kind of a little devastating. You know, but like man, you just got to keep grinding and. Especially in the field, like you are talking, that second shot, if you miss the first one, you get that second opportunity. I don't know what it is or why, but it's like, I don't know if I've ever gotten like a second opportunity, like you're saying. I've never missed. You know, it's like, you're just like, nope, plunk. Maybe it's just predator mode engaged, and your brain's just like, nah, we're not doing that again. Like, here's the correction. Boom. 
there's something to it for sure. Uh, but but yeah, you're right. And confidence kills. Like having confidence in your weapon and in your shooting to walk around the mountains with confidence. It just allows you to put on more miles, more elevation, to put more into your stocks and just um, – uh, to put in full effort to make it happen because you know when you get there you can make the shot or you've got confidence in your weapon. And so, yeah, like building that confidence in the off season is so important. And that's with a bow and with a rifle. I've seen guys miss some, some really easy shots with rifles too. And so, you know, I think it's important to practice and build that skill set but also be thinking about your execution. I know, you know, a couple of years ago you killed that giant bull over in my neck of the woods. And uh, I remember you talking about your practice with your bow and how dialed you were and how good you were shooting your bow and then i remember you talking about that bull and how he crossed the creek and he was walking and you were going to get your shot right there and i remember you thinking back to your execution and executing correctly and you put a perfect arrow through that bull um it's not easy to do even for us experienced hunters right no not at all and i mean i fought with you know target panic with my bow for like a solid year and then, you know, had to overcome that. And that was not easy. And it's just like, eh, that sucked. But then, like, you know, kind of being able to, like, overcome that and put that perfect arrow in that bull. Because, like, the previous year, I, like, made a bad shot on an elk. And it was, like, kind of devastating, you know. And then I just, you know, put in the work. And the next year went back and just, like, that was, you know, that was a culmination of, like, whatever that was like 12 years of bow hunting for me personally you know and it was like it doesn't happen every day but man that was that felt good you know oh man it's the best feeling well and um two it's like uh uh when you're out in the field and and um you know whatever the case is with a with a bow or with a rifle um you know it is like really focusing on that execution with that dose of adrenaline like you know the first time we shoot at animals we hardly look at our pin or hardly know what we did it's like a car crash but you get better over time of really being able to execute good shots on critters under an intense amount of adrenaline and i think that goes to off season training as well and like you say you just can't replicate shooting at a giant bull that's like the the goal of your lifetime that's tough to replicate but what you can do is you can shoot under high pressure situations shooting in front of people shooting with buddy shooting tough shots high degree of difficulty like that all helps build that skill set and definitely comes into play when you're when you're shooting at critters so that's the goal man that's you know that's what i'm what i'm working on you know is like always trying to be just a, a bit better and and another thing like with those misses you're right as they can ruin your whole season your whole off season they can devastate you to miss or like especially if you have a bad shot or something like that but um in the moment or on that hunt you know you you know and and wounding something's different you know putting an arrow into something then you have a tough decision to make you know what you're going to do from there moving forward but if you have a clean miss uh, it's almost a gift, you know, it's like you get to keep hunting and you get to chase that redemption. You get to really think about your execution and uh, how to do it right. But just picking yourself up from those lows, like you can be devastated later, but you just can't ever have them back. Like once you miss, you know, you can beat yourself up over it. You can, uh, you can ruin your whole hunt. You can ruin your whole off season, but really you can't ever get that shot back. Like the only thing, like the, 
for me, like the only thing I can focus on then is like gaining another opportunity and proving to myself that I can do it and do it correctly. And so like after a miss or after a, a stock where I totally messed up, you know, like instead of just dwelling on that, like I definitely look over at how I could be better and where I messed up. But then I just don't dwell on it or sit in that headspace of poor me or like I suck or, you know, whatever. They, you know, I just, you know, I'm a good bow hunter. I'm a good shot. I, I can know I can X correctly. I've just got to go out and earn another opportunity and prove that I can do it, you know. And so that's kind of the headspace I get in like after those lulls is like, man, I just can't have it back. I can't rewind time. That shot was done. All I can do is focus on the next one. Yeah. And that, that I mean, that can be really hard, but if you can just it's easier said than done, you know, but that is a huge part of it is just being able to pick yourself up after some lows and just being like, all right, all they got to do, because you're not going to kill anything back at the truck or back at home. Like, you know, the gift is being able to be out there in the field. So you might as well try to make it, take advantage of it and try not to like, and I know it's hard. I'm guilty of it. I'm sure you're guilty of it is like just getting into that negative headspace after like, you know, some kind of, whatever lull or down or you know negative experience like you just gotta like try to just put one foot in front of the other eventually those feelings will fade but if you don't focus on it and that's that's hard because a lot of times as hunters we're hyper focused anyway so it's like it's easy to hyper focus on those negatives but sometimes you got to take a step back and kind of realize where you're at what you're doing how lucky you are to be able to do that because you know there's a lot of people in the world that never get to do anything even close to what we get to do every fall, you know, and like that, that in itself is a gift to just be able to be out there instead of take that step back and being like, okay, like when we look at the big picture here, like I'm still hunting, you know, life is pretty good. I'm not in the office. I'm not, you know, not grinding out at the nine to five, like that, that, that in itself is a gift, even if it's, you know, making negative at the time, but it's just something you got to keep going and, keep try to keep that positive mental attitude which is, can be difficult but that's oh, that, part of it so true man um it's about perspective and you know on these hunts you're going to go through highs and lows and so just preparing yourself for those lows and getting through them and you're right it's through perspective and it is a gift that we're able to be out there but um yeah, man. Uh, it's so fun to get you on the podcast. I always love these conversations. I What do guys do, like, if they're interested in those deer elk hunts um, in Montana and that absorky that you're doing, whether it's with the bow or with the rifle? I know get a hold of you on social media, but they should get applying for the deer elk combo here pretty quick, right? Yep, for sure. So um, I basically offer a full application service rule. Um, if you get a hold of me, we kind of discuss the hunt figure out if you're a good fit or not. Um, we'll get you put in for the draw. And in Montana, the way the new kind of system works is if you are applying with an outfitter, you get an additional like 1.2 points going into the draw. So, you know, last year we had 100% of our clients draw. Um, so when you go into it, if you go DIY, you're going to go into the, if you, if you start out with zero points, you're going to go into the draw with one preference point. If you select it, if you're going with an outfitter, you get a select, you know, applying with an outfitter, you get an additional 1.2 points. So you're going to go into the draw with 2.2 points, which gives you a huge leg up. Um, you know, the kind of the caveat there is that if you apply with an outfitter, you're not legally obligated to hunt with that outfitter, but 
you cannot go out and hunt on your own. Like you can't draw a tag through the outfitter pool and then go hunt DIY. So you're kind of stuck hunting with an outfitter in some capacity. Um, but yeah, if you guys are interested, I offer the full, we'll walk you through the application process, make sure you're doing everything right. Um, but yeah, the application period closes here at the end of the month. So we're trying to get people applied as quickly as we can um, just to make sure there's no hiccups or anything like that. But yeah, if people are interested, it's definitely a good idea to get on sooner than later. Um, but yeah, we have some availability and feel free to reach out and kind of see what we're offering um, and just see if we're a good fit. And yeah, we'll go from there. Cool. All right. Yeah, I was going to ask when the deadline was. So yeah, it's uh, end of the month. So we'll make sure we get this podcast out here directly and uh, let guys know so they've got plenty of time to connect with you and try to line something up. But yeah, just uh, and no better guy to go with. And um, uh, man, I just um, really appreciate your friendship. And um, uh, we just have to do uh, more adventures in the future. And um, yeah, I just wish you luck on that house and uh, getting that thing complete. And um, I know you'll definitely be on some, some good adventures this season. So uh, thanks, buddy. I really appreciate you. Yeah. Thanks, man. Okay. All right. That's a wrap. Um, I just really enjoy my conversations with Brandon. I, uh, I told him he's got a, a free pass for the podcast whenever he wants to come on. He's just so, um, so interesting and so knowledgeable. Uh, you know, last time I had him on, we talked about Alaskan adventures. Uh, if you guys didn't listen to that one, you guys should uh, look back for it where he got to hunt doll sheep, or at least he was guiding for doll sheep and then, um, hunted for his moose and, um, some pretty cool stuff in there. So, um, uh, really fun to talk to that guy. Uh, thanks again for his time and being on. Uh, again, you can find his um, Instagram at Durango Boone. Uh, and um, yeah, that's an episode. I want to thank my sponsors again for today's show. So uh, I want to thank um, Black Ovis and Camo Fire. Uh, Black Ovis, just absolutely everything you need for your hunts. Uh, Camo Fire is that app where you can see some new deals. We do have that promo code for Black Ovis. It's elevated 10. You can save 10% on your order. I also want to thank um, those guys over there at Stone Glacier. Again, Brandon Purcell is, uh, uses Stone Glacier exclusively, really likes their gear, and I do as well. I love their gear. I love those guys that work there. Just nothing but respect. Like they're, they're the same as you and I. They are out busting their butt on public ground, busting their butt, getting workouts, shooting their bow, shooting their rifle, trying to be the best they can be. So um, just nothing but respect for those guys, and I'm so happy to have them, uh, you know, to be partnered as part of the podcast. So I love their sleep systems and tents. Go check those things out. And also want to thank Outdoor Edge Knives, uh, so you can check out their replaceable blade knives that they have. Um, so, um, with that, yeah, man, um, just been shooting that phase four, super stoked on that thing. You know, I've actually got, I'm using a new peep that's really helping out too. I played around with it a bit, so I think it's called total peep, but basically it has an outside ring and then an inside ring and the inside ring, I love shooting a three sixteenths peep. I wanted to do like an Instagram on this because I think that peep makes such a difference of alignment of your anchor and the alignment to that sight aperture. Um, so I'm using that total peep. It looks like, um, gosh, what's that? Uh, there's a brand that also has one out there. Let me just Google it while I got you guys here. 
Not that you guys want to listen to me, Google, but uh, there's another one out there that Dylan Ness is using, and he's saying he is getting awesome uh, accuracy with it as well. But basically, it's an outside ring and then an inside diameter. And so if the peep's tilted a little bit, you don't get an oblong peep. You get the perfectly round aperture every single time you look through it. Um, so... Um, it, it just makes for great alignment and better accuracy. And um, I, I think that's definitely, uh, it's a Hamsky uh, peep is the one I was thinking of. I think that's the one Dylan is using. Um, but man, the alignment is just great. And it, it just, um, it, it pays to really take time when, when you're finding your you know comfortable anchor and making sure that those peeps lining up. I think it's really helping me um, with accuracy or take my accuracy to a next level. And that total peep, it's got like a darker ring around it, like a bigger ring. And it kind of looks a little Cro-Magnum on the bow. It's like a little bigger than the peeps I've had. But uh, my shooting has just been lights out with that thing. So I'm going to keep with the Cro-Magnum peep. But um uh, basically that darker ring around the outside just helps for better alignment all the time and so when I'm pulling on my shot uh, I don't get out of alignment um, and it still lets a bunch of light in so I think it's a major advantage it's just one of those little things that I think is um, uh, really helping with accuracy so you may check that out and uh, but yeah I've been setting up this bow I've been getting in my runs uh, been fishing like a madman I just really feel back to myself and um, happy spending good time with my family my daughter came down last weekend and then we got the fights and I had my sister and her kids and and uh, my other half sister come down it, it was just um, it's just been really fun really fun enjoying this house and uh, just getting back to the life I love to, to live and um, it's gonna get even better like I'm going on a big trip this spring and I am counting down the days to to go to Australia and hang with my good buddies and um, so yeah I, I absolutely can't wait for that but yeah just um, living my best life you know like um, really uh, uh, eating good foods taking good care of myself and um, man just um, enjoying things so looking forward to spring here and summer and training hard and spring season spring bear i missed a lot of spring bear last season due to building the house so i'm excited to go hard this year for spring bear and then um yeah just wrapping up these construction projects i've been working hard on these things and then um got this i put out an instagram the other day or a story on um, my garage and shooting range i should probably post it to favorites so everybody can look back and see it it's not completely done yet but it's getting a lot closer it's um gonna be well organized and the shooting range is doing good i got that part set up and um so man just enjoying things here uh hopes all i hope all is good with you guys and um I gotta get some more applications in here. I think um, New Mexico's coming up. I know Montana's coming up. So um, yeah, I gotta get my apps in here and um, make sure I can draw some tags and have some hunts coming up this fall. And hopefully you guys are doing the same. So uh, thanks as always for the support of the podcast and listening in, listening in to me ramble on intros and outros. But uh, uh, just trying to get you guys that good information that makes me a better bow hunter and. Um, also, you know, trying to uh, give you guys the perspective to, to be healthy and happy and uh, make the most out of this life. So um, thanks a bunch for listening in, guys. That's the podcast, and check in with you guys next week.